0: Welcome to Shofa Cape Town South Sermon Podcast. We trust that today's message will edify and strengthen your faith. I just want to share on fathering. I'm not a dad. If you maybe think I've got a kid somewhere, no. <laughs> somewhere in the world, no, no. I'm not a dad at all. Um. But it's just very interesting that when God was speaking to Abraham, when God called Abram, you know, he spoke to him and was calling him into being a father of the nations. When he changed his name, he called him Abram. He made him a father of multitude of nations. But Abram didn't necessarily travel all over the world and having kids all over. And in Romans, when Paul speaks about Abram as our father in faith, even as our father, it has a lot to do with the faith that he had in God. The Bible says in Galatians that those who are in Christ, therefore they are sons of Abraham. So basically, furthering is about revealing the heart of the father. So it's not about um, just being a man, or, but it's about you can be a lady and really reveal the heart of God the father. You can be a man and you manifest the heart of the Father. And I I decided to start with this little verse when Philip asked Jesus and I asked him and said, many times you speak about the Father. Show us the Father and that will be enough. You've said so much, you've spoken so much about the Father. And Jesus answered answered him by saying, don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? If you read in Isaiah 9, one of the prophecies about Jesus, it says that unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, he shall be called Emmanuel, Counselor. Where else again? Bible readers? We need to do a Bible quiz here, eh? We start doing some quiz. and I hope some people won't get some zero. Okay, okay, so unto as a child that is born, it shall be called Emmanuel. Again, Prince of Peace and Everlasting Father, right? Christ came to reveal the heart of the Father. My goal this afternoon, this evening, or what I believe God, what one, perhaps one of the things that God wants to do through us, if you would forget about everything I'm going to share. God is calling us to reveal to the world the heart of the Father. We want to grow to such an extent that one day, you are able to tell whoever you are discipling, whoever you are living with, perhaps even your child one day, or whoever, that if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. No pressure. <laughs> No pressure? No pressure. I tell you, one day I was attending a class. Someone was just sharing on evangelism. When this guy was sharing, at some point it was as if there was a cloud that came upon that guy. It was like I could see the Lord while he was teaching. The Lord was very real when I saw him, when he was teaching. I could see the Father. You know, even Stephen, while he was being stoned, the Bible says his face was shining. It was like a face of an angel. The glory of the Lord was upon him. What is our destiny? To be conformed to the image of Christ. And if whoever saw Christ saw the Father, whoever sees us should be able to see the Father. In other words, What is is your life pointing people to? What is the direction in which our lives are sending people to? Ultimately, one day we will all die. What would be the one thing that people would be able to see? Especially if you think of people that have never heard the gospel. Can they see something of God? Mistakes we will do, we will make. Many mistakes. We still make mistakes. I'm not saying we're not going to make mistakes. But I'm speaking of living a lifestyle where God uses your life to reveal himself. Right. so I'm just going to give a few examples of different fathers. And to see how they played a massive role in the process of fulfilling God's destiny in the lives of their children. And the first father, actually, I think in my opinion, it's actually God himself is the everlasting father. In other words, before time began, he was already the father. When I think of Genesis, when God created Adam and Eve, these two were almost like his two, his two children on earth. Now, I'm not going to go into the reading. You all know the story. God creates this garden, and he puts Adam and Eve, and he did put them there. And the first thing that you'll see when you read in Genesis, the first thing that God did with them, he blessed them. The Bible says he blessed them, and he, and he, and he actually told them to multiply. You know, he, he gave them instructions, but he also gave them boundaries. Also told them, well, you shall eat here, you shall eat here, but you shall not eat from this tree, you shall not eat from this, and this, and this. And then later on, you know the story the serpent came, and then the fall came. And what is interesting is that in the midst of all of that chaos that happened, that took place in that moment, God never cursed Abraham. Oh, Adam. He never cursed Eve. He cursed the serpent. And the very promise that God made in that particular text is that he shall make an enmity between the serpent and the seed of the woman. And he said, he shall send, um, and the seed of the woman shall trample on his head. Right there in that verse, prophetically speaking, when you study that scripture, it speaks about actually Jesus. Basically, God was saying, I am myself going to come and deal with you. The first thing that you see in the one verse, actually when when the scriptures is telling about in Genesis 3 about the false story. It says, Adam and Eve, they were actually naked, and they were not ashamed. And later on, after the sin, they were ashamed. Um, God came and rebuked rebuked them, rebuked the devil, or rebuked the serpent, and he covered them. He covered them. One of the things that I want to establish is that fathers, or the heart of the Father, true fathers, the one thing that you see, the very promise that you see there about the Messiah, the very promise that we see about God actually destroying the serpent speaks of the involvement of the Father in terms of how eternally his vision for Adam and Eve was. We see a picture of salvation already from that moment. And not only that, he covered them. In other words, the promise that he made was on its own a spiritual covering that positioned them to be in a place of receiving salvation. Christ came. In fact, the Bible calls Jesus the second Adam. Christ came to actually succeed on the very thing that the first Adam failed. So when Christ who came to reveal the Father came, he came to restore us, to restore all of us. So that we could live out the very plan of God. True fathers, they cover. They are the divine covering. The heart of the father has a lot to do with covering. The Bible says even true love covers a multitude of sin. And they were covered definitely with the glory of the Lord in the beginning. And at some point when they fell, when they disconnected themselves, they found themselves ashamed. And for some reason, I think the worst moment was the moment when God came and Adam went to hide. This is the very same father who gave them, who put them in the Garden of Eden. And for some reason, someone came and tried to convince them that whatever was told, whatever they were told was a lie. And for some reason, they believed. For some reason, they believed. And when he came, and he uh, and he found them in that situation, I think that moment they were very, very, very much convinced that God was maybe going to, I don't know, kill them or whatever it is. You can see how distorted the perception of God was changed the moment they gave the ears to hear from the serpent. And Many times we find even ourselves in that situation where even in our own relationship with God, there are things that life throws at us. Many, many things, many things, many things to the point where we can easily get to a place where we have questions in our head. Is this thing of God being good a real thing? Because I cannot feel it and I can't see it. And these are realities not only Believers do struggle with even leaders, pastors. If you have to check the, the, the rate of suicide in America among pastors, it is crazy. Because many times there's a lot of things that happens. You sit in this place where God have called you, God have done this, God have said this, and all of that. And there are circumstances that comes and that start challenging and even perhaps trying to re communicate to you. Another narrative about who you truly are and who God is. And it affects the way you engage with God. And you forget that God is actually your covering. And when God came, the very promise he made didn't just have to do with Adam only, but it had to do with the entire humanity. It was an eternal purpose. It was an eternal promise, prophecy that was given there. Generations. And everything that happened to Adam has impacted the whole humanity. In other words, when you start thinking as a father, you primarily start thinking generationally. In other words, if God were to multiply me, what is he going to be multiplying? If I'm going to be, if I can only reproduce after my own kind, what kind of being will be in the world? Imagine if the whole world, if the whole world were filled with people that behaves like you, that thinks like you, that do everything like you. What kind of the world of world will it be? Will the world be a safe space? Will even the people go to heaven? Because fathers. Even Paul, when he speaks to Timothy, says to him, that the thing that I've, I've spoken, I'm, I'm speaking to, you. the thing that you hear from me, the thing that you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, I would like you to entrust into others. Fathering is about, because you cannot speak about a father without speaking of children. Right? You can't speak of a father without children. Remember Abraham was trying to even say, God, but you're saying I'm a father, but I don't even have anyone who's going to inherit because fathers leaves an inheritance. Now when we're speaking of a spiritual inheritance that we are called to live for the people that God has entrusted in our lives. What are we going to establish in the spirit? Even for those that are going to be here 2, 3 years, 10 years from here. Things that we are, we are called to do. With Abram, Abram actually made a covenant with God. And everything that God made as a deal of, of Abraham, until today, his descendants are still experiencing the result of the outcome of the covenant that Abraham made with God. Even when you read that in the Old Testament, most of the enemies of, of Israel, she look at the names of those tribes, some of them that Moabite and other guys. If you trace their ancestors, many of them were born in funny ways. Perhaps it was incest, Perhaps there was just funny things. And you will see there is a perpetration because of what was the first root. A father is a root. A mother is a root. So what kind of... What are we going to multiply? What will God... If God were to multiply, what will he multiply? And how can we trust God to receive wisdom in such a way that what we do... Positions people to experience the very great plan of God. Let's start with Abraham. You can go to the next slide. This is Abram's dad. Abram's dad, Terah. He took Abram, his son, and Lot, and the son of Aaron, his grandson, and Sarai, uh, his daughter-in-law, his son, Abram's wife. They went forth together from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to the land of Canaan but when they came to Aaron, they settled there. Here is basically the analogy of where Abram comes from, the land from which he comes from. His dad, at some point, decided to go to Canaan. And on his way, they kind of got stuck in, um, in a specific place um, instead of going actually where he was intending to go. Uh, but the initial intention was that they were going to go to Canaan. But then if you look at Abraham, the moment God appeared to him in a dream, or when God appeared to him and, and, and he spoke to him about leaving uh, his father's house and even going to the promised land, the very same promised land was the Canaan land, where his biological father was intending to go. Not because God spoke to him. In fact, Joshua said that Abraham's father was an idol worshiper. But now in the process of following his dad, Technically speaking, if Canaan was the very land where God was intending to, to give to Abram as an as as inheritance, Abram could have already found himself in the promised land. Basically, God could have just said, well, actually, if, where, where you've settled, this is the land I'm going to give you. So in the process of following his dad, the potential of being in the promised land was already there. Even though this wasn't necessarily a man following God, uh, they stacked into Aaron. So this is one of the things that you see in the story of Abram uh, through his dad, Terah. Let's look at another dad. Next slide, please. In 1 Samuel, we see Kish. Kish was the father of um, Saul. Saul became the king. The Bible says, Kish, son of Abel from the tribe of Benjamin. Very, very important. The detail that is given about him in terms of the line, You see that the the grandfather, or the grand-grand-grandfather, the ancestor of actually King Saul was Benjamin. And it's very interesting to see when you study uh, in Genesis when uh, Jacob changed the name of Benjamin. And you see how the restoration came into place because of what was done to the very, very ancestor, to the very, very father, the root. Kish, the son of Abel, from the tribe of Benjamin, was an important man. Abel was the son of Zerah who was the son of Bekereth, who was the son of Ephiah of Benjamin. Kish had a son named Saul, who was a fine young man. There was no Israel better than he. Saul stood, and he taller than any other man in Israel. Now the donkeys of, the, of Saul's father, Kish, were lost. So Kish said to Saul, his son, Take one of the servants and go and look for the donkeys. May I go to the next one. On verse 14 it says, So, and the servant went up to the town. Just as they entered it, they saw Samuel coming toward them on his way up to the place of worship. The day before Saul came, the Lord had told Samuel about this time tomorrow. I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin. Appoint him to lead my people Israel. He will save my people from the Philistine. I have seen the suffering of my people and I have listened to their cry. The most interesting thing is that when Kish is sending Saul, the scripture does not say, God said to Kish, send your son Saul. While he's going to be looking for the donkey, he will meet a prophet who's going to anoint him as the king over Israel. So it was basically in the midst of his obedience to actually the instruction given to him by his dad. Because his dad sent him so that he may go and look for the donkeys that were lost. Now, in the process, on his way to obedience, in the process of obeying his father, he encountered what actually God intended him to, to, to be. Perhaps, we know that God's initial idea wasn't for Israel to have a king. But I, be, I believe in this season, while the Israelites wanted a king and God was respond, God already spoke to Samuel that there would be a man from this particular tribe, from this line of Benjamin. So we see that even in this instance, even though perhaps his father wasn't necessarily a believer, wasn't necessarily a man that worshipped God, but in the process of obeying his dad, in the process of obeying the voice of his father, he encountered the prophet, and the prophet anointed him as king. The first king of Israel, Became a king on his way to obedience to the very instruction that was given to him by his father. If people have to listen to us, if we were to father people, what would be their destiny? Where are they going to end up? Fathers are the ones that actually create spiritually even an open door. For their descendants to walk in the very plan that God has set for them. While Kish was sitting and sending his son, God was busy trying to set up this nation. God was busy establishing a man that was going to to lead his people for the first time. Let's look at the second king of the Bible of Israel, David. We see the same trend. Now Jesse is the, to Jesse said to his son David take the ephah of roasted grain and these 10 loaves of bread to, for your brothers and hurry to their camp take along these ten cheeses to the commander of the unit see how your brothers are and bring back some assurance for them they are with Saul and all of man of Israel in the valley of Elah fighting against the Philistines. In fact, it is after, when, on his way to his brothers, it was on his way to his brother that he encountered the whole experience of meeting Goliath. And he ended up striking down Goliath, ended up in the family of the king, and later on became king. We see that the first king of Israel, he encountered his destiny on his way to obedience, in obedience to the instruction that was given to him by his dad. And we see that the second king of Israel as well, while he was just submitting to his father, he was just on his way to do the very practical thing that they had nothing to do with whatever he became. That was an open door for him. Or perhaps that was the context from which he ended up encountering the very promise of God. In other words, if we are fathering people, we can't necessarily know fully who they are going to be. All we are called to do, we are called to create a safe space. We are called to create a spiritual covering. That position them to experience, to walk in the very plan of God. One of the fascinating things that I, that I love in Genesis is to see Jacob when he prophesied over his children. Basically, we are called to make sure that we position ourselves in such a way that we make it possible and easy for people to walk in the purposes of God. One day I was praying, the Lord said to me, when you are a leader, you are like an open door. The things you allow comes in even the lives of people that you lead. And I want to encourage you. All of us, God has called us to influence people. You will always influence someone, either in your family, whether in your class, whether in your workplace, in whatever environment you are finding. The question is, what kind of influence will you be? And how generational are we thinking in terms of what we do? But in this context, we see that David, on his way to do just small things, bringing food to his brother's he ended up finding himself having to face Goliath and suddenly kills Goliath. And later on, he found himself being a son-in-law of the king. And much more later, he became the king of Israel. Where is our lives sending people to? What are we doing? And with everything that we do, how do we position people in such a way that they can experience the very destinies of God? Paul was so secure as a father to say, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Those who followed Jesus, the disciples, they ended up becoming like him. In fact, some of them, they could when they saw them, they could see that they were with Christ. It's very fascinating when you read in the book of Acts, when Peter does the miracles, many times you'll find sometimes the similar phrases that are, used in the very life of Jesus it's very interesting to see that the same very work that was in in Jesus you would see that in the lives of the apostles that were with him because he positioned them with a little phrase by saying to them follow me follow me even the men that were fishes of man and let's look at the actual ultimate king of Israel Jesus Christ. Let's read this uh, in Hebrews 10. It says, First he said, Sacrifices and offering, burnt offerings, and sin offerings you did not desire. Nowhere you pleased with them, though they were offered in accordance with the law. Then he said, Here I am. I have come to do your will. He set aside the first to establish the second. And by that will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all the ultimate king or the very last king of Israel became this king in the process of obeying the father on his way doing the will of the father he was exalted exalted and he is the king of glory that we worship In other words, unless we position ourselves to obey God the father, we cannot father people. Abraham, everything that had to do with his story has to do with his obedience to the very voice that said to him, live in everything. How sensitive are we to the voice of God? He didn't argue with God. He didn't try to say, well, God, I know you're saying that, but what, what do you think? That land is actually occupied. Well, how is it going to make sense? How can I go to a land of people that is already occupied, and you're asking me that this is going to be my inheritance? In fact, I don't even have children. My wife is already old. I am very old. What's going to happen? But Abraham obeyed. The only way we can manifest the heart of the Father is when we learn to follow his voice. When we learn to fall in love with his voice, Jesus said, The Son of Man does nothing except what he sees the Father doing. I didn't want to just say too much about fathering. All I'm wanting to say is the only way we can manifest the heart of the Father is by positioning ourselves in a space where we can obey. You don't see David arguing with Jesse when JC said, go and bring the food to your brothers. And we don't see Saul arguing with his dad when he was asked to go and look for the donkey. And in the process of his obedience, he found himself in safety. And we are called to create that kind of safe space. You know, one day, when we were growing up, my brother, my older brother, it was actually cool, I was watching him preaching today at the church. And... um, at some point, when he was when he was when he started high school, he just started stealing money at a, at home. Seriously, like he stole money almost every week, and at one one day, <laughs> one day um, back then, I mean, we didn't really have a lot of money, and he, my dad just I mean back then there wasn't much banking. Most people were not use banks, so he went into my dad's bag and he stole some. Cash that my dad remained with, and he went. He bought food and bought, he bought stuff for his friend, and he, he was just having his moment. And then when he came back, so we used to stay with my aunt, my aunt that passed away um, this year, and my mother. When he came, my mom, got like confrontational, so she was like, she knew it was probably him because because we saw the trend, and she rebuked him rebuked him and said, what happened? He said, no, it's not me, it's not me, it's not me, it's not me. And the said, on your knees. So he was on his knees. On his knees, on his knees. I remember we were there and everything. I'm telling you this story because he actually shared this story at at this church. And then when my dad came, while everybody was furious, everybody was angry, when my dad, when they told him, you know what he did? He said nothing. He went to his room and he just prayed. From that day, he has never stolen his life. You know what he did? He he acted as a father. He only repositioned him in the very line of God. And he told the devil to live his life. This is what fathers do. They are covering. He didn't argue. And, And I can tell you my story as well. One day, I was sick. I was struggling. They had to remove a teeth um, because they didn't figure out what was the problem so now they had to remove the teeth my time I, my, I said to my dad well I don't know but I also had issues with my eyes so I told my dad after the report they scanned and everything and said well mm, um, they have to remove the teeth and then they will check what's happening because it was kind of swollen and then he said okay let's go home I can't recall of any day him calling him come we're going to pray that was the last day that thing was there. Everything disappeared, and they've never removed any teeth on my mouth. And I had toothache. You know why? He acted as a father. Spiritual covering. I know a pastor whose daughter um, wanted to study in at a university in um, in British Columbia. She was arguing with his dad, and uh, her dad was like, "Oh man, it's very really far." Wouldn't you want to study? where well, she was doing a high school in Canada. And then uh, she said, Well, she said, No, really. And the pastor was like, Well, what am I, I going to do? She wants to go there. And it's like, Well, okay, you okay, can go. And I was worried and trying to connection. While he was really one, because many times when he was saving money for her, like he had like an account where he was saving only money for the, like a block, uh, how, do, how do you call it? Like a very much saving account. Many times he would generously take the money out and give to someone or You take it and maybe invest it for the church or give some money for the church and stuff. Many times he did that. Now, when this girl was about to go now study there, suddenly he receives a call from a pastor who is actually in British Columbia. He said to him, God has said to me that you have got a daughter that is wanting to come and study here. And he he, he tells him, that, you know, there was a girl here that stayed, that, that was actually lost, gone missing for two years. She was another pastor's daughter. Very well-known pastor from Nigeria. And uh, one day, the road told him to drive, and he started directing like on a GPS. Until he got to a location where he found ladies that were uh, functioning as prostitutes, and he saw a, a, a girl, black girl, he the Holy Spirit said to him, no, it's that girl. So when he went, because this guy is from Ghana, the girl was kind of, the Ghanaians and Nigerians they look a little bit similar. She kind of wanted to avoid him. And the only thing he said to her is, God bless you. When he said that, she started crying. Nobody knew where she was. and Then he asked, why do you cry? She said, I can see my father's face on your face. And what the very words you said are the words my father used to say. And the father was, in, was actually in, 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 in uh, British Columbia and was visiting. And then he, he told her, okay, come with me. And he went with her while her parent was in the, way in the house of the pastor. He said, okay, I've brought your daughter. They came. And he said to them, from today, this daughter biologically is yours, but she, we will take care of her. We will father her. We will make sure she studies. And she's a very powerful worship leader today. Now this same very pastor was the one who called this other guy and said, our daughter, she's already married. We've got a room here that is empty. Let her come because God has given us a heart to take care of pastor's daughters. But how do you explain that? Spiritual covering. That was a man in covenant with God. That same man, I know him because his son was kidnapped in Cape Town. He was taken to Hermanus. They were living in Bishop's Court. And when the child was there, they went to see Ellen Zillab. At the time, she was, I think, the mayor or the premium or whatever it is. She, they, went to, they went to see her and they said, she said, Well, we don't really think we can find the child. We probably maybe found the body already. But many times in Cape Town, probably, the child will be killed. The child was six years old. Now, what happened? The child was eating. No, no, no. They, they, they were at the house and they wanted to eat. And the child said, No, we always pray at our house. Can I pray? I said, Yeah. As the boy started praying, from the time he said, Amen, boom, the police were there. Nobody until today knows how the police could find that house and they arrested those people. You know why? There was a spiritual covering, a man in alignment of God. There are lives we can spare from trouble because we have decided to position ourselves to... Obey God's voice. Fathering is about destinies. True fathers aren't concerned about sons serving their dreams. True fathers are the ones that invest in the dreams of their children. They think beyond themselves. As long as we're still thinking about ourselves, we cannot even talk about about fathering. Because true fathers think of legacies of of children. In other words, whoever is under your influence. If everything has to do with serving you, then you're probably not in a position to be fathering or mothering whoever you're dealing with. Jesus laid down his life for us. He did. He did it willingly in obedience to the Father's voice. Fathering is about positioning people to really live out the destinies of God in their lives. Launching them prophetically in the very plans of God. Many times, we just want people to serve us. We just want people to do something so that we can become greater. And many times, we have a smaller vision of the people we lead than the vision they have for themselves. When we lead people, we should never try to have a smaller vision about whenever you have a smaller vision about someone that you lead then the vision is there for themselves, you're going to destroy them you're going to squeeze them our goal is to say father what is what have you put in the life of this child and marrow maybe finishes until here but the race is in your hand and I decide to give you the rest abram When he was doing his covenant with God, he didn't know Joseph. He didn't know any of these people. The only thing he did is secure their destiny spiritually by making a covenant with God. I want to encourage you to be intentional in your relationship with God. There is nothing more powerful in this world than covenant. There are deals that one should learn to make with God. I remember even my sister, she started dating a Muslim. And everybody was panicking because she really, really fell in love. And the guy, for some reason, convinced her that they were also just like any believer. Now, everybody was panicking and arguing and everything. But my dad was chilled about it. <laughs> he was chilled. When I think of how he handles certain practical situations... It reminds me of what it says, be still and know that is God. I remember him chatting with my sister, it was like they were talking about a movie or something. I go, oh, I heard that uh, there is a guy that you like. like, yeah, so they were chatting. I was like, okay, th- <laughs> many in many people's houses would be like, how come he's not a Christian? And that story ended clearly and properly. The Lord just ended it, bam! I don't even know how it ended, I was, I was already here. You know why? He understood his space. So when you pray for people, you got to pray like a mother. You have to pray like a father by birthing their destinies. There is a lot of lazy prayers. Prayers that we're just, just rushing. When we are, When we start praying like fathers, who will position people to experience. I love the moment when Elisha cried to Elijah and said, my father, my father chariot of Israel. I was able to receive the double portion. Many of us today, when we lead, we don't want people to become greater than we are. We want them to remain inferior forever, following us. No, no. We are just called. To make it easy for people to experience God's plan and God's destinies. My prayer is that everything that I do, that I don't become the very threat to the ultimate plan that God has for his people. Because who am I? Who are we? Who are we? Many times we claim, submit to me, submit to me. Submit to me. I'm your leader. Submit to me. What are they going to submit to? True submission is not claimed. It is not claimed. So I just want to encourage you people and say listen, God loves his people. And people are not toys. We're not called to play with people's lives and people's times. But also God is saying, wake up. Don't just act as a kid. It is time to also father and mother. Maybe you've been mothered a lot. Wake up. Right? You've been followed up so much. Come to small group. 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 group. That time is over. How long will you be followed up for small group? Come to church, come to church, come to church. No. Maybe next year is an opportunity for you to do it. Have you done that for anybody? That's the question. How many of you this year, you you know that there is someone who gave their heart to the Lord because you were obedient? Don't put your hand. Don't put your hand. Don't put your hand. Just respond in your own heart. How many people... Are you able to testify? Oh, this year this person is actually becoming a disciple because I'm intentional as well. I'm just playing a part. The Lord has led this on my heart. Oh, is our, are we always in need? Are we always like, oh, Matthew, I need you now. No, oh, Matthew, oh, Matthew. Great. No, there's no problem. Understand my heart, there is a place for us to fellowship. There is a place for us to encourage one another. But we must also encourage. I can't just be receiving from blessing, right? I should also give, right? I should also give. Otherwise, it's going to become unhealthy. It's like if someone is eating a lot, it becomes unhealthy. If you do anything with exaggeration, it becomes unhealthy. So, there must be a receiving part. There must always be also a giving part. And that's how you grow. I realized in my personal life, That the most moment where I've grown the most, aren't even a moment where I was reading too much. It was a moment when I was really serving. I love the example that uh, Rick Rousseau gave when I went to attend one of the sessions. He said, when Jesus turned water into wine, the first people that saw the miracle, it wasn't even the disciples, it was the people that were serving. Alright? So if you've been served, serve as well. Man, We cannot just be consumers. People who are our dads today, they were also children one day. But then they've become fathers. They're taking care of us naturally. Spiritually, we can do the same. So, there is a practical element to it. I want to encourage you. Ask God, how does it look like in your own context next year? Maybe it could be that when you go home, you know that people are just funny. Maybe get two, three girls that are just, nobody is taking care of them. Get them around. Ask them how they're doing. Pray for them. Encourage them. You don't have to do small group only when you come to UCT. You can even do your small group there. Get to four or five boys while everybody is just messing around. Get them. Get intentional of them. Trust that in that two two months when, you when you're at home, they can experience God. They can grow. It shouldn't be just a church thing. Right? Otherwise, it's just a, a thing. Go home, encourage people, pray for people, pray for the sick, evangelize, pray for someone, set up some guys, get intentional. The thing that you've learned here that you think are relevant, you may go and, and also do with the people there. You know, we can't just be intentional when we come to city. Amen? Let's stand and we're going to pray. We can sing that song again, um, Fathering Me. Uh, KG. You know know, when Adam and Eve, when they disconnected them from the Lord, the scripture says they were naked and they were shamed. One of the things that happens when we are disconnected from God, especially when we find ourselves in sin, shame becomes just very strong. And many times, it really creates a barrier. It just blocks us from even connecting with God and even connecting with people. And many times, it's a reality that we all face. But... Jesus said to Martha, if you believe, you will see the glory of God. I really want to encourage you, even just in these few minutes, to say, Father, like Saul, obeyed, to Kish is, is dad. I'm not going to argue with you. I'm wanting to do your will. Just like David, obeyed Jesse's dad. I'm willing to obey you without having to argue. And just like Jesus came to fulfill your will even at the cost of his life, help me by your Spirit to be obedient to you, to be obedient to your word, and be my covering. And ask the Father to give you wisdom in terms of stewarding his people positioning people to really experience God's plan the worst place we can be in is when we start developing very very much bad ideas about people when we become negative about people when we don't love anymore and sometimes it's not easy but you know, the same very heart that God is wanting to use, the enemy is also after it. The same intimacy that Adam and Eve shared with God. The serpent was after, that, after it, big time. And Christ came to restore it 100%, perfectly. The prophets, the kings, they all failed. The priests, they all failed. Christ was the only one who came. And restore that communion. like you to picture yourself like Adam in that garden where God had to be your father. You see that Adam, when he failed, when he sinned, a chapter later you see his son killing his own brother. Nobody ever told him how to kill. The thing is, there was already an open door. There was already an open door. So why don't we raise our voice and pray. And really ask God to come and do a deeper work in our hearts. Work that only Him can do. A restoration that only Him can do. Just where you are, just start raising your voice and pray to God. And ask Him to reposition your heart.